Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and unfortunately, Abe is not here. Uh, this week, but it, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various top movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into, jump back into other fun movie topics. This is, a, this is episode 260, 260. Wow. That's a fun round number. <laughs> and uh, this week we are talking Jack Reacher, colon, Never Go Back, the sequel to Jack Reacher, sans colon. Uh, just, to, just to make sure everything's clear on that one. And... Uh, <laughs> Joining me today, I have from Game Revolution. He said he would never go back, but he did to Arby's. It's Peter Paris. I love Arby's. I would never say I wouldn't go to Arby's. Um, <laughs> hey guys, what's up? All right. <laughs> also here, he runs. He smiles. He cruises. It's producer and recent political filmmaker Aaron Fink. <laughs> I'm so mad that you said and Abe's not here because if you had enough pause, I was going to be like, and Abe's not here. <laughs> But uh, anyway, hello, hi. Hey, glad to have you back here. It's been a, been a little bit since you've been on the podcast. Thank you, good to be back. Yeah. And, um, okay, let's, uh, as I said, there's no Abe here, but we have double the Aaron and Peter, so it all works out. Aaron squared. Exactly. Uh, which doesn't technically add up mathematically, but why not? Let's go with that anyway. <laughs> yeah, who cares about math? Yeah, that's... That's what Jack Reacher says. That's the Jack Reacher I, One of the many dumb things Jack Reacher says. <laughs> um, all right. So before we get into the main show, let's do some show note stuff real quick. First up, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to help get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, uh, search out now with Aaron and Abe. You can find us. You can give us a star rating. And you can even type up a number of sentences of some kind to give us some sort of written review. It'd be, it'd be great. It uh, pops us up on the old iTunes charts and what have you. So, uh Thank you in advance. Um, also, let's see, our horror episodes. We've been doing one horror episode a week throughout the month of October, focused on various genres. So far, we've talked about slasher films, monster movies, found footage flicks, and most recently, horror comedies. We have one more uh, coming this coming week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to do these. i got my uh, good friends involved with, uh, that love the horror genre on the show, and uh, it's been a blast. So uh, feel free to check out those if you haven't already. They're on iTunes and everywhere else you can find our podcast. And... Um, with that, let's uh, let's move in. Let's move into things here. Let's uh, let's get to know everybody. We we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know no, everybody. everybody. Who is that? <laughs> it's my lovely girlfriend, of course. Happy to always chip in on the know everybody segments. <laughs> and um, I'm gonna ask um, I'm gonna ask a main know everybody question first. I'm gonna ask a little question about Aaron and what he's been up to lately. But uh, first off, guys, is there a film you would never go back to? I don't like think I would it. never see again. Yeah, like one like like and like real, like like a real like movie where you'd be like, I never want to see this ever again. Yeah, we were just talking about it about two minutes ago. <laughs> um, it was called The Nut Job. Okay. It, st- it starred Amy Poehler's husband, Will Arnett, ex-husband, and yeah, excuse me, ex-husband. Sorry, Amy. <laughs> we like to do things accurately, regardless of how bad that may sound. <laughs> and uh, well, it was just terrible. Yeah, I've never heard good things about the Nut Job, and they're making a sequel, so there you go. Oh, sweet lord. 
Peter, is there any offhand where you'd be like, I never want to see this movie ever again? I'm tempted to say Moulin Rouge. Um, oh, that's sad. I saw it when it opened. I didn't care for it. And then in 10 years, everyone loved it. And it came on Blu-ray. And well, I was not like... Not just in 10 years. I mean, it, it was like a Best Picture nominee. <laughs> no, you're right. But no, no. But then 10, 10 years later or whatever, it came on Blu-ray. And I was like, fine, I'll give it another chance. And I still really didn't like it. So I don't think I'm ever going to have to go back to that movie. I think it, I've given it enough chances. Are you a Baz Luhrmann fan in general? I am, actually. I, I actually liked Great Gatsby. I like uh, Strictly Ballroom, Romeo and Juliet. So, Romeo I mean, plus Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, what was the other one? Australia. That was that was Australia. Great. <laughs> yeah, but in general... You have yeah, to say oh, it that oh. way. I feel like that's how he says it. And I haven't seen The Get Down, which I do want to see. I enjoyed it. So I do like him, yes. Can I amend my answer to Suicide Squad? That, that, oh. I, that was kind of my default thought, just because I I really, <laughs> really hated Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, and they're like, pro, you know, they're promoting that you know, like it has like a 13 minute extended because like I don't want to see more of this movie. That's not that's not a thing no. that I want. That's fine. I am <laughs> sorry for telegraphing your an- answer. No, it's fine. It works out. Aaron, you uh you've been you've been up to some stuff lately, and I believe you have a a video you've been involved with that's uh, currently uh. Hitting, making a hit on the web. Uh, you want to you yeah, talk about you it? Know. Sure. Um, so a couple months ago, uh, my friend and I, my producing partner and writing partner and I were just hanging out, and he had an idea for a sketch that we were coming up with, and we were flushing it out, and I, I grabbed his laptop, and I saw a little sticky that he had on his desktop that said something about Trump, and I said, what's this? And uh, uh, he said, oh, I no one's done a good Trump video lately at all, really. I haven't seen one online, and I think somebody should make one. And I said, I agree. And uh, so after a couple weeks of writing, we filmed a sketch uh, entitled When You Find Out Your Blank is a Trump Supporter. And we released it online a few days ago, and uh, it's doing okay. It got picked up by Huffington Post, um, by... by uh, Thought Catalog, Bro Bible, um, a couple other publications that I am not remembering at this moment in time. But it was a great deal of fun to make, and uh, I think it speaks to something that everyone who's a millennial Democrat has experienced in this recent <laughs> so some of it's true to life, some of it's a little ridiculous, but all of it's fun and all of it's funny. I don't even think party association is necessarily a major play in it. I think it's more like a genuine shock when you find out someone legit supports Trump. Yeah, I I think that's true. I, I there's no reason to politicize it. It's just become a fen- a cultural phenomenon, something that pretty much everyone has experienced in the last year. So uh I decided to make a funny video about it, and um, I'm glad that it's being so well-received, honestly. It means it's pretty much the whole entire reason why I want to make things as a producer, so that people will enjoy themselves and, you know, remember stuff. Yeah, what's the, uh, what's the title of that video again? When you find out your blank is a Trump supporter, the blank is uh, the word blank in brackets. Yeah, and it's a it's a funny video. It's only a couple minutes long, so yeah, feel free to you know search that on YouTube or and you know you can find it any in a lot of places these days. But uh, yeah. Oh, it's under three minutes. That was a very important point that I wanted to uh, you know stress when we made it because videos got to be quick. Get yeah. in and out, Jack Reacher style. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that out of the way, that's how you do. No, no everybody. everybody. Okay. 
Let's uh, move on now. Let's get down to quickies. Uh, TM. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like I need someone to fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> Each week out now, we will move. We will talk about what's happening with the music. There's a new leak. That's why they're going to put a quickies. TM. Thank you. All right. Uh, Peter, have you seen any other movies recently? Uh, yeah, I loved Moonlight, and I actually also really dug uh, the new Ouija movie, uh, which is my direct. Uh, what you talk about Moonlight? I think it's the best. I, I think it. I think Moonlight isn't just the best movie of the year. I think it's one of those movies that's going to be on the best of the decade. I'm pretty confident. And a friend of mine went and saw it last night because you and I saw it at screenings, and he said it was pretty packed. He saw it at the ArcLight, and he said everyone loved it because so it has my- the. Um- Based on box office, uh, I was reading over from a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, it has like the biggest uh, per average theater release of the year. Nice. Really? Yeah. I always get worried when I see some small movie and I really like it, and then I'm always like, well, no one's going to see this. So I think it sounds like Moonlight's going to do well, like people are going to see it and stuff. So, But I, I love it. I think it's uh, – um, my friend and I were talking about that in a weird way, even though it's not – well, it's exactly the same, but it, it, it could have also been named Boyhood and in that way, yeah. and I think it's better than Boyhood, even though really they are two separate ways of approaching the material, but um, I loved it. Yeah, I thought the three actors were pretty amazing. Um, and it, I, I thought it, it did the thing that I, I feel like any great film, actually any great art should do, which is that through specificity, through, through being so specific, about the care about this person's life, you know, uh, a young black man, a young gay black man in a poor area of Miami. His life is it's so specific, but in it being specific, as anybody watching it can see like universal themes. Like I mean, it does that thing that you want art to do, which is that you you see the life through someone's eyes that you probably would have no connection to, and you completely can sympathize and empathize. Uh, which is pretty, re- which I think is really remarkable. Well, that's yeah, that's certainly a, a huge factor in it. Like the, it has a very, you know, a specific nature of like who, like what, what the character, who the character is, and like where his, where he lives, which is like a, you know, like the project side of Miami. Um, but it, the way it approaches the material, it makes it, it, you know, it plays like you're saying with kind of universal themes involving just a, a general loneliness and the inability to be able to be the per, you know, be yourself. Um, and how over you know these three different time periods he tries to basically try to come out of his shell as far as in, as far as just being normal just just being, just being able to you know have a conversation with people or whatnot and yeah and I think it's terrifically acted and it's a very very like well shot movie too like there's a you know it's based off a it's based off a play. And there, uh, there's a lot of times I have issues where the, you know you have adaptations of of plays because I tend to find there be a lot of kind of staginess in it where it just it feels like a play that happens to be a movie now, but I I think the film does a very good job of kind of breaking through that boundary. <laughs> sometimes that doesn't bother me, but sometimes it does. And this way, I think it does a good job of kind of be, you know being being a film that's very watchable. And I say that and. Despite it being, you know, it's very deliberately paced. It's not a fast movie. It's no, it doesn't have many kind of like actions in it as far as like things going on. It's just very, it's very, it's very much based around just characters talking in a given scene. But it's very compelling. It's just a, it's a very strong movie. I'm gonna actually gonna go see it again uh, this week because I, I really liked it. So I really want to go see it again. Uh, Aaron, what uh, what uh, what films have you seen recently? I've been behind. Um, uh, yeah, the last uh, were. Uh, 
the Beatles Eight Days a Week touring documentary and Birth of a Nation. What'd you, what'd so, you think of I'm those? a little... Well, um... The Beatles Eight, eight Days, days a, week, a Week. That's the Ron Howard documentary, right? That is. That is the Ron Howard documentary that um, got a theatrical release and was put up on Hulu. And um, it's amazing if you are a Beatles fan, I, and I assume that many people are. So um, it just gives you lots of footage that we haven't seen before. Um, it organizes it in a very easily digestible way. You know, it gives you a significant amount of background on the Beatles for people who know the music but don't necessarily know the story and um, offers real fans a glimpse into what was probably one of the most, un I mean, one of the most unbelievable times in the rise of modern popular music, um, especially considering when you watch this footage, you see... Just, it's not just teenage girls, although there are thousands of screaming teenage girls spread out throughout this entire documentary. It's just everyone. It's They touch so many people's lives, and they change the world. Um, and you see it with your own eyes in this documentary. So, And then they have great music, too. So it's like a win on all fronts. Um, and as far as Birth of a Nation goes, I did enjoy the film. Um, I have enjoyed it less as I have sat with it due to a number of external influences concerning Nate Parker. When did and you I know see it? that I'm curious. I saw it. Uh, I think I saw it a little under a month ago, or maybe right at the end of September. So it's, okay. So it, it, the the initial. Um, so it's kind the of during, one the, during like the, the start of his press tour for the movie. Yeah, the press tour had just started, but I had already heard all of yeah, yeah. the stuff about him. So yeah, the press tour didn't give didn't do him any favors. Um, what really made it difficult for me after the fact was um, reading the article that the girl who um, who committed suicides the girl who committed suicide's sister wrote an article about yeah. Nate Parker and. Um, his roommate, and that one was the one that kind of got to me in in so far as pointing out the fact that as creative writers, Nate Parker and his writing partner chose to um, add a fictional rape to the story in order to you know spur one of the characters into action. And I know that that you know um, those kinds of things happened in those times. But I think the fact that they decided that they needed to add it to the story in order to make it more emotionally resonant is a little troubling considering their past. Um, and also, it just kind of... The, now that the press tour stuff came out, you kind of just saw that he's... seems like he's not a nice guy all the time. Um, I guess no one really is. But I think from a filmmaking perspective, it is... It is well made. Um, I have some problems with the storytelling. I think that he could have told the story a little better. Maybe if someone else had written the script, um, you know, I think it, it could have been a better movie. But like another pass um, on screenplay, obviously bigger budget, obviously would always help these kind of things. But, yeah, I. But I think. But even, I think um, it's more in the editing that was my main issue with how it because I sure. I I. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I put quotes around like and enjoy, but you know, I think it's a, I think it's a competent film. <laughs> we had a lengthy podcast yeah. talking all about it. Um, yeah. I, I do think it, 
it does a good i think it does a good job getting across the a, a, you know, a general theme, presenting a s- certain situation, and doing a, it does a lot of things right that I think overall uh, propelled my my thoughts on the movie to be you know fairly positive, just in spite of the other things going around it, which you know makes sure. obviously it makes it difficult. But um, it, it well, was I one think where, what yeah yeah what's interesting about it is um, a mutual friend of ours, who you know, Leah Aldridge, um, and I were talking about this movie, and she's in the middle of her doctoral dissertation right now, but she's Basically, she said something to me that made a lot of sense, and that is we as a society and a culture have been so um, bombarded with images of black culture and black history since Obama was elected. And this movie and the way that it has been received, it obviously speaks to um, a problem that people have with Nate Parker as a person, but I think it also speaks to our culture's you know, like our culture is tired. We're exhausted. It's like exhaustion, you know, and this is the last movie to come out besides maybe Ava DuVernay's documentary on Netflix where like it's really going to make an impact. And maybe you could make the argument that birth of a nation won't have as much of an impact as it could have if it had come out eight to 10 months ago, you know, or maybe, well, yeah, or that, or if there just wasn't a, a, you know, a, a, a very large black mark on Nate Parker's record to yeah. affect whatever chances it could have had to be a part of a bigger conversation. Sure. Don't you guys, don't you think that now, I mean, no, I mean, nothing, because I have not seen uh, Birth of a Nation, but can't a movie like Moonlight, which is also about being black in America, mm-hmm. um, don't you think that in a way with the reviews being so stellar for Moonlight that that, that maybe Moonlight will now be the more Oscar-worthy. Well, I, I, so. I think as far as specifically black films go, I mean that and and Denzel Washington's Fences are the films, oh, right. are, you know, the ones to kind of reach out to as far as quote yeah, unquote filling I mean, that I, kind of diversity void when it comes to. If Moonlight movies. makes a lot of money and reaches a lot of people, then yeah, I think so. I mean, my assumption in. Viewing, I have not seen Moonlight. Um, I do really want to see it. I think it looks fantastic. My assumption in absorbing the materials that are given to us before the movie comes out makes me think that it's not going to be the kind of movie that everyone goes and sees. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Birth of a Nation isn't really either in a way. Well, it is but, more that because because it's it's you know it's got it's, it's got so happened. much Braveheart in it. Like, right, as far as exactly. Kind of the the compelling of the. What, what compels the plot and how it's structured, it has a more, despite it being about a horrible time, you know, and dealing with slavery and the intensity going on there, there is a kind of a, the narrative of that film is more easily acceptable for people that want to see a movie like that as opposed to come see this two-hour story about this guy growing up that has no real action mm-hmm. in it and just a bunch of people talking and stars that you most, you don't really know that well. Like, I mean, that's... There's there's less there I think, but I mean it depends on you know that campaign and how the marketing goes for vote for, for the movie. Yeah, I mean I like I said I want people to see it, and I hope that you're right, Peter. You know I hope that it does kind of make an impact or make a wave, whatever you want to say. But I think that given its subject material, its lack of star power, and all those other influences that Aaron number one just mentioned, it I it may not. Um, you know, especially when you compare like the star power of that movie to the star power of Jack Reacher, never go see it. <laughs> and I was just saying, you know, you got a Denzel Washington fences coming out as well, which I think also kind of encapsulates a lot of you know kind of black audience. That yeah. obviously boo exclamation point on Medina Halloween. 
So uh, we'll we'll see. Can we talk about how much I want to see that? <laughs> like I really want to. No, see I kind of want to see it too, and I've never seen a a Medea movie. But I was like, oh, I kind of want to see that one. This, like this, this isn't the one for me that's going to be like, well, time to finally go. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so you've never seen one either? No, I have no desire to see a Medea. What? I don't know the you, Halloween. I'm kind of curious. I mean, cause I can't believe you've never seen one, and I've seen five of them. You've seen five of them? Wow. I've never Maybe seen I've seen four, but wait, how many are there? Several. There's like nine or ten. Yeah, well, seven. So, is of, that of what Medea you said? movies or of Tyler Perry? I mean, there's uh, Medea movies. There are Medea. seven. There are seven Medea movies. So yeah, <laughs> Tyler Perry's the the earnest for black people. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> The Ernest reply. <laughs> Medea scared stupid. That's what's in theaters right now. <laughs> All right. Um, as far as films I've seen, <laughs> um, I saw a couple things. First up, I saw I saw the new Jim Jarmusch documentary, Gimme Danger, which uh, goes over the uh, career of the Stooges. Um, and uh, this was a film I did not know existed until a couple months ago and was immediately excited because I'm a huge fan of director Jim Jarmusch. He has not one but two films this year, apparently, with uh, Patterson starring Adam Driver coming later this year. And um, I'm also, you know, a Stooges fan. Not a diehard Stooges fan, but I have been to a Stooges concert. I do enjoy the Stooges music for the most part. And I was like, all right, I want to see Jim Jarmusch direct a documentary about the Stooges. And it's very entertaining. Um, it goes, it, you Are know, the Stooges it, a punk band? Sorry. Yeah, punk. Like uh, yeah, like uh, pro. I wouldn't say proto punk necessarily, but they certainly they're hugely influential to a lot of punk bands. Cool, uh, I recognize the name. Yeah, Iggy and the Stooges, Iggy Pop. And the Stooges. Oh yeah. yeah, stupid, of course. Okay. Um, and uh, the it follows a lot of like what you expect when it comes to kind of music based documentaries that go over the career spanning of a band. Um, as far as kind of the ups and downs and various uh, members of the band giving talking head interviews and whatnot. And, it, it, you know, it's not a typical Jarmusch film as far as seeing any of his style because it's a documentary and he keeps himself pretty much out of it. Um, but uh, regardless if you're into the music or not, I think it is an entertaining uh, documentary just because Iggy Pop himself, he's a very entertaining person to kind of listen to, as well as the others that are also involved in this in the documentary between various band managers, the other studios and what have you. Um, so that was enjoyable. I was, I was happy to catch that one. Um, I also saw much like Peter, I saw a uh, Ouija origin of evil, the prequel to Ouija, a film that was on my worst of the year list. I really hated the first Ouija movie. So I can't, <laughs> I re I really enjoyed Ouija origin of evil. Now I'm not saying that it's a surprise because when I saw it, I knew going in that it was directed by Mike Flanagan, a director who's since, Who's previously done films like Oculus, Absentia, Hush, which is available on Netflix. Movies I really like as far as uh, horror films go. Um, and so thinking, wow, Mike Flanagan got attached to this movie. Okay, let's see where that goes. He delivered. He's a horror filmmaker that I enjoy who managed to make a good horror movie. So that's not too much of a surprise. That said, for being a prequel to Ouija, it is great, it's great to know that this franchise somehow turned itself completely around to make a very enjoyable movie. I'm not going to say it's fantastic. It's like amazing. It's not the best thing I've ever seen, or even a, one of the best horror movies I've seen, or even one of the best movies of the year. But I, I was largely entertained by it. Peter, you have any similar thoughts? It, it, well, no, I I totally agree. I mean, I, I I was so surprised. Like I I didn't know it was Mike Flanagan until what an hour before the screening. Yeah. Wait, it's Mike Flanagan? Like, uh, but I enjoyed it. it. It made me wonder how many, and I don't know if if this is the only exception, but. How many horror or horror or comedy series start off bad 
And then the second one, because a, di- a director, writer is actually better and improved. Well, the, and immediate, could... the, the immediate example I can think of is the Purge films. That's true. I mean, the, yes. the, first, the first Purge I hated. Uh, the second Purge I still didn't like very much, but I thought it was a much improved version of that story. That the and then the, third, then the third one I actually liked. So, I mean... is, the, is, the, is Purge all one director, though? It's yeah, the same it's, guy? All, it's all the same, same writer and director. Yeah. No, I would agree. Um, um, I might say... Well, no. I was going to say Friday the 13th and Saw, I think those are more just varying quality. Like, I like Saw 2. I'm a big fan of Saw 3. But then I like So, I guess it's a little different, but... Those kind of go up and down. Same with a lot of like, down, a, lot, yeah. a lot of franchises like that. You know, it's, you know, they have their ups and downs when you have, you know, seven plus films. <laughs> like I, mean, I, came, I came home after seeing Ouija, and I, I went and put on the first Ouija, and I couldn't get through like ten minutes. I was like, "Nope, <laughs> this movie's not." Because I was like, "Wow, is that Ouija, that sequel was that prequel was so good? Maybe I could appreciate it now." And I was like, "Nope, it's well, so the, bad." That, what makes Ouija even better, this new one even better, is that you don't have to see the first one to enjoy True. this one. Like, it's a prequel that might as well have been the first movie because no, if anything, if I had a clearer memory of the first film, I probably would have been a little less impressed because I know where it's going since the prequel. Like, I know kind of what's what needs to happen by the end of this movie but because i didn't remember much of it at all by choice um, i was i was you know fairly satisfied with how the kind of story turned itself around yeah no i agree but i yeah i agree with you i it is it, yeah it's by no means the best movie ever or anything but but i would say i would say that Ouija, along with the shallows and don't breathe this has been a good year for i don't know genre films like mid mid mid-budget studio movies like just, these are uh, yeah just movies and i mean horror horror films in general yeah like a lot of genre film I, I i put in my i wrote down like a list of things in my um in my my review for ouija just the the, the list of various horror films like the what the witch earlier lights in the out. year uh lights out yeah lights out conjuring 2 and it's there's for mainstream horror films there's been a lot of releases that have been surprisingly you know entertaining or good yeah. or better than the invitation uh, yeah this was an interesting year of films, not just horror films. Well, for sure, yeah, as, as far as films in general go. But but you know, when you have a year that has, you can, I, I mean, I can list like you know, at more than five mainstream horror films <laughs> that were actually pretty good. That's that's not a bad. That's not yeah, a bad that's sign. Pretty good. That's a pretty good year. Ones that like, ones yeah. that don't need like five years to have like a retrospective, like thinking, oh, that wasn't that bad. Like just movies off bat that I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I feel like outside of the horror genre uh-huh. i really haven't felt like i mean i guess if you exclude horror and you exclude superhero films you know oh yeah so i don't think i've really this year yeah like a lot of disappointment so at least one genre is getting which, something which includes superhero films for that matter i mean there's, yeah there's been a lot of disappointment no, i like civil war oh wait civil war was good. Oh, wait yeah. that other one you just remembered <laughs> And, uh, Remember Civil two, War? Those other two you just remembered. <laughs> I, yeah, I forgot those are superhero movies. Yeah, um, but yeah, those are bad. Um, but yeah, although now this is interesting because we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna get to Jack Reacher, which is another sequel. Although I think Aaron, you like the first Jack Reacher, unlike I do like. We'll get to that when we get to our Jack Reacher review. But uh, yeah, if you want to talk about disappointment, we'll get to that when we get to the review also. <laughs> 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 let, but, but let's for now. Let's. Uh, that was that now. Quickies. TM. Let's. Uh, ra- let's go into trailer talk real quick. Where we can talk about another superhero movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. When it's coming out. What we thought of it. What have you. And this week we are going to talk about Logan. 
this is the, the is it the I'm trying to count right now. Is it the ninth time Hugh Jackman's played an X Men or played a Wolverine role? Yeah, the yeah. ultimate, the ultimate Hugh Jackman role. Yeah. Regardless, this is the supposedly the final time Hugh Jackman will ever play the character of Wolverine in a film that's confusingly titled Logan. Um, <laughs> to, to make it just as disparate from any kind of like, hey, we want to make money, so let's have this obscure title. Let's do that. Uh, obviously, it's ba- it's a da- it's based off the old man Logan uh, comic book storyline loosely because most of these X Men movies are based loosely off of these storylines. It's directed by James Mangold, who previously directed The Wolverine, a film I quite like. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed. And, and uh, also, I agree. And um, it fe- it features again uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, uh, Charles or Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier, and and they're both very old. <laughs> this version of the film, the film's set in some kind of future where it seems like there's less and less mutants, and these two you know stalwarts of mutantdom are getting much older and a little more resigned to their fates, but. Something I don't think wrong. he regenerates anymore, right? Is that well? He regenerates, but he gets like he, like it leaves a scar every time. Uh, around, okay. Time around, and it's you know it's not as easy for him. But yeah, it's so something kind of gets the two of them together to go on like, this kind of a uh, trip of some kind. Various action and stuff uh, unfolds, and it's uh this is uh, going to be an R-rated Wolverine film. Just to add that in there. Um, so if, with all that in mind, let's get to Aaron first. Aaron, what did you think of the trailer for Logan? It made me want to see the movie, and it also made me realize how different it is to make a trailer than it is to make a film because that trailer is wonderful, but I also don't think if there's one thing I've learned this year with suicide squad, it's that you can't ever trust a trailer, no matter how awesome it looks. This trailer is very awesome. Everything about it appeals to me. Um, I just, have to reserve my thoughts for when the actual movie comes out because it could be a terrible movie and just have an amazing trailer. Somehow I doubt that. I think it'll be great, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But, um, you know, I've got my, uh, my, my protective wall up, if you will. Peter, your thoughts? I liked it. I, I would agree that, of course, I mean, it's funny because I did not see The Accountant, um, but... Obviously, it's a film to bring up right now. Well, because when I saw the accountant trailer, I was like, well, it's a pretty good trailer, but how much of that trailer is because they're using a Radiohead song? And of course, the Logan trailer is Johnny Cash, it's The Hurt. And I'm like, well, that song is so powerful and effective. So I kind of see what Aaron's saying. Is it's like, well, if you use that song, it's like the trailer's going to be pretty effective. Um, right, but- like how Suicide Squad used Bohemian Rhapsody, and you're like, this movie's going to be fun. Right. Right. So, but, but, but I would say based on the footage that we saw and because it is interesting to see kind of an older world weary Logan, yeah, that's going to be cool. It's my interest. So I'm kind of like, well, I'm curious about that. Like, so I'm, I'm also ho- hoping, and I thought the last Wolverine was, I really didn't actually, there's an example there. There's our Ouija uh, thing. I, I really didn't like, is it just, is the first one just Wolverine? The, full, the first one's Wolver- X-Men, X-Men Origins, Origins Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah, the second one's The Wolverine. Right, I thought this that was obviously Logan. <laughs> so I thought Wolver- X-Men Origins Wolverine, like Ouija, was pretty terrible. And then mm-hmm. I and The Wolverine, I was like, hey, this is pretty good. It's <laughs> like, I really like this movie. So I guess that would be, going back to our earlier conversation, there's an example of a, of a prequel sequel that, was, that also improved. So I have high hopes uh, for 
uh, for Logan. Um, yeah. It's funny because, you know, we're talking – this is why I like doing this segment because we're talking about trailers versus actual movies. And, I mean, looking – if you want to use these current examples, yeah, looking at The Accountant, yeah, the Radiohead usage is fine in that trailer. It got me to want to see the movie. But, you know, I didn't walk into The Accountant thinking this is going to be fantastic. I actually thought walked in thinking – I don't know about this movie. It seems weird that Ben Affleck's randomly doing some movie in between directing and Batmaning. Um, and sure enough, that movie's not very good. Uh, <laughs> I look at look at something like we, this recent Ouija movie. I really like that trailer. I don't think you saw the trailer, Peter, but the Ouija trailer is, is like, well, Mike Flanagan's doing this. Let's see what it's got. And it's like, oh, I'm more interested in this movie than I thought I would be. So here we go. Um, looking at something like, yeah, Suicide Squad, yes. I mean, you kind of, you don't assume it's going to be that bad. Like, even if it's mediocre. You're still thinking, okay, that trailer, it sells, and I would I would even argue that trailer sells what the movie is, it's just not very good. Like, I think it has, yeah. the, it has, the, it, mainly because it's confused by what it wants to try to do, but I think the, also, the tone of that trailer, I think, is reflective of the movie I saw. It's just, you know, not a good, it's not a good movie regardless. You know, although I must say what's weird about, because I'm assuming they don't play Radiohead and the Accountant, and I don't know if we're going to play Hurt in um logan but they actually do use uh the queen song in a lot of like classic rock songs in the actual suicide squad movie well they have yeah. what they have yeah. they have uh what credence because every action movie has right. credence <laughs> but, um, and they and they have the what the, like a fallout boy cover or something of uh right but it does make it worse yes um, that at... movie was just trying to be 10 different things but Instead of bagging on Suicide Squad, I'll just talk about Logan. I really, I like this trailer as well. I do think it's it's almost a cheat to use Johnny Cash's Hurt over the soundtrack, but I do, you know, hearing what I was hearing about the the you know the movie beforehand as far as what they're trying to go for, and having such an appreciation for The Wolverine, which was also directed by James Mangold, and I do, I consider that my third favorite X Men movie. I, I I really like The Wolverine. I think it's ex- well, it's your third favorite X Men movie. I, yeah, I really like The Wolverine. I think it does a lot of what these movies should do which is have focus and focus less on giant teams of these mutant characters and give more you know give more standalone stories a chance so what is your number one and two x2 and first class that's okay i mean i'm kind of i mean i I like the wolverine just like i give it the edge over the first x-men movie i guess um because I'm not, I'm not as big on Days of Future Past as most. Uh, see, I really, I like Days of Future Past. I, I'm not as huge on it, so because I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is good as Mystique, and that makes a huge part of it. But um, <laughs> regardless. But I, then you like First Class. Well, I'd like that in spite of her. I mean, that's, that's the. I think the rest of the movie is so good, so it helps. I think First Class is for sure. First Class, I think, is the best one. I think that's my number one. I think it's First Class, but but um. I don't know. I like Days of Future Past. I've said this before. I think if you give that movie another three months of pre- – since they rushed that movie so much, if you give that movie another three months of polish as far as scripting and effects go, it's probably the best X-Men movie ever. But That movie yeah. needed some polishing for sure. Um, uh, I like that movie, but I do not like it as much as Days of Future Past. You didn't like First Class? I didn't like it as much as a lot of other ones. Um, I think it was just because I didn't like the kids as much, like any of the kids. Yeah, I would that's have part of my main just, problem. I think Fast I would have rather just seen a, Yeah, I would have seen a McAvoy Fastbender movie all day. Well, I thought they were. T- oh, so you like them? Because I thought they. Were yeah. T- yeah, I mean they're great. In it. Yeah, no, they're terrific for sure, I mean, and that's probably X2. why I, I think X Two is fantastic. I mean, X Two is very good. I do like X Two, and X2. it helps that Nightcrawler is my favorite mutant. So I'm like, yeah, give me an <laughs> opening scene of Nightcrawler. It's gonna take. It's gonna be tough for any movie to overcome that right there with X Men. 
Yeah. Regardless, this Logan trailer, it's solid. I think it's I think it's a good trailer by default just because you know it has that cash set. But I think just kind of the imagery that we're seeing. I like James Mangold in general. I think he's a solid director. Uh, yeah. He direct he directed what the three ten Dima remake, which I absolutely love. Um, I, 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 looking at his films in general, I don't think there's one that I like actively dislike. Uh, what are you reading now? Uh, the identity, which I quite, I like as a kind of you know fun thriller, night and days, fine. Like it's the fun, like hey, Tom Cruise is spoofing himself type movie. Uh, what Copland is okay. There's Kate and Leopold, which of course is amazing. Uh, Kate and <laughs> Leopold. <laughs> but no, I, I I like in general I, I like James Mangold as a as a director, and I really liked what he did with the Wolverine. So I look forward to what he does with Logan, especially given the kind of. If this is the swan song for Hugh Jackman, I'd like to think that they're really going to kind of go all out as far as delivering on what he's capable of, even as an old man Logan. All right. Logan arrives in theaters next year, March 3rd, just in time for something. There's a lot of crazy, crazy cool March releases next year, like five or six of them, I think. Anything in mind? Um, God, I'm my memory is spotty right now, but... A lot of superhero movies. Like, I think two more superhero movies are coming out in March of next year. What, Fast 8 comes out, like, early April. It's, like, the first week of April. Um, yeah. I'm I drawing a blank. Movies. <laughs> Everybody does. Oh, wait. Can we... This is... I'm sorry. This is not totally related, but as far as upcoming stuff... Um, were you guys ex- were you guys happy that even though we had heard about it for at least a month now, were you guys happy that Donald Glover is Han Solo? Yes. As, yes. as Lando in Han Solo? Oh, Childish Landino. Yes, not Han Solo, Lando. Uh, they switch, they switch the genders. Alderic <laughs> is now going to be Lando, and Donald Glover is now going to be Han Solo. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I meant Lando. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board. Like, I really you mean they switch races, not genders. Sorry, yes, they switch, <laughs> they switch races. <laughs> no, yes, the Donald Glover is Lando thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that was the rumor, and it's been confirmed, and I have nothing against that at all. I, that's, that sounds fun. Let's see where that goes. I'm happy with that. I mean, he'll always be Troy Barnes to me, but that's okay. As long as I get a sweet space cape, I'm all, I'm all for it. Actually, I heard Atlanta's really good. Atlanta is really good. Atlanta is very good. Oh, because you just said he'll always be Troy. And I was like, well, I've actually heard in Atlanta. Yeah, I know. He'll still always be Troy Barnes to me, well, though. Tom Cruise will always be that character in Taps for me, but I still like him. Using, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> nah, Maverick. Uh, well, speaking of Tom Cruise, let's get to our main review for Jack Reacher. Never go back. Two things are going to happen in the next 90 seconds. Excuse me? First, that phone over there is going to ring. Second, you're going to be wearing these cuffs on your way to prison. <laughs> well, that is one magnificent prophecy, Mr. Reacher. It's just going to keep on ringing. When are you coming to D.C.? I move around a lot. You're a legend. Folks wonder why you left. Purple Heart, Silver Star. There's this big dent in the desk. People say you made it with someone's head. Jack Reacher for Major Turner. Major Turner's been arrested. On what charge? Espionage. He's been set up. How much does Reacher know? How's it going? I don't like being followed. You think you're invulnerable. That's right. Maybe I rip your arm off and beat you to death with it. That should have been some of the trailer for Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. Tom Cruise is back as Jack Reacher in an adaptation of the 18th book in this 20-novel series by Lee Child. 
Uh, this time around, Reacher is on a quest to date Major Colby Smulders, only to learn <laughs> that she has been arrested for espionage. Reacher also gets caught up in some conspiracy of himself and finds himself and Major Smulders on the run. Adding to this, we also get a teenager who may or may not be Reacher's daughter. The film replaces director Christopher McQuarrie with Edward Zwick, and we soon find out if it was worth going back at all with Reacher. Peter, what are your what are your thoughts on the this Jack Reacher now franchise, and what do you think of this film? Um, I am, I am, I might be the biggest Tom Cruise uh, fan I know, like of all my friends and everything. Um, uh, I was pretty lukewarm on the last, on the first Jack Reacher. Um, I, I don't know why. I feel like I feel like he's already got Mission Impossible for his crazy action thing. Um, and so I, I just, I never, and, and I've never, not crazy action. Well, but he's another guy with guns. You're right. It's not action, but he's another, you're right. I just, I don't know. And so, so I've never gone back. No, no pun in, or pun intended. I've never seen Jack Reacher more than when I saw it at the screening. And I know friends of mine, um, have watched it on Netflix and they're like, Oh, actually Jack Reacher is pretty good. And I'm like, really? Like, but I only watched it once. So Jack Reacher two, Never go back. Honestly, I had forgotten about it, and I got a billboard. I live in West Hollywood, and there's like a billboard down my street. It wasn't until I came. I was like, oh, yeah, that's coming out in a week. I should figure out about seeing that. Um, having said that, uh, I think I enjoyed this one a little more, if only because it's not really a solo Tom Cruise movie. It's kind of like a you know, action guy, dysfunctional family or, or thing where I like him with Kobe Smulders. I like the girl. I don't know what the girl's name is, even though it's super formula. Oh, okay. Like it is, it's super formula. <laughs> and the, the villain is pretty lame. I didn't mind the new Orleans setting. And like, I don't know. I, 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 I it's probably still like a C plus. Like I'm not saying it's great or anything. I of the movies opening this weekend, it's for sure my least of the ones I've seen. Um, but I mean, I like I like having Cruz be a little lighter with the stuff with the with the with the maybe maybe not daughter stuff. But I can't really defend it. It's not like I don't really love the movie, but but it, it seemed like a lot of people did not like this movie. So I'm curious to see what you're going to say. Well, Aaron, what do you think? What are you your thoughts on the on Jack Reacher? Uh, um, well, I don't think I've seen the entirety of the first one. I probably started it on Netflix and then stopped it. Um, not because it was terrible or anything, but just because it didn't grab me and I have so much stuff to watch on Netflix. So I came into Jack Reacher, never go see it with a fresh eye. Um, and I think I'm probably, (laughs) I'm probably in the arena of Peter, but a little angrier. Um, which is to say that I don't completely regret it, but I also didn't really enjoy myself. I walked out of the theater scoffing because I like Christopher McQuarrie, um, especially given that he uh, he wrote uh, the Brian Usual Singer suspects. movie that everyone likes. Yeah, Usual Suspects, that I enjoy as well. Um, so when I saw this movie, I guess I was disappointed a little bit by the writing, um, specifically... He was not involved in the writing at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was then just I, a producer this time around. He's just producing it now. Yeah, okay. Well, he's got Mission Impossible money these days. He doesn't need to do this movie anymore. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, uh, well, in that case, 
I understand now why it was not as good as other Christopher McQuarrie films. Um, the thing that bothered me most about the film in general is the fact that basically there are too many logical fallacies. There are things that they do that they try to explain that don't make sense. And then there are things that the characters do that they just don't explain at all that, that also don't make sense. Um, I think the biggest example would be there's a point in the film where uh, Kobe Smulders, Tom Cruise, and D- D- Danica, what's her last name? Let's just call her Sam. Her name's Sam in the movie. All right, Sam. Let's call her Sam. <laughs> um, the three of them are trying to get on a plane to go to New Orleans, and they're fugitives, so they can't use their actual identities. So um, I won't go into all the details, but they... One of the characters assumes someone else's identity, and they buy plane tickets. And I'm wondering, well, what about the other two people? Who are they? Where are their fake identifications? You know, like, there's just so, there's a lot of stuff like that. I think the other writing issue I have is that um, maybe maybe it's because I didn't see the first film, so I don't know that Jack Reacher can do whatever he wants whenever he wants, but the points in time in this movie where he suddenly knows exactly what to do or figures the one thing out that no one else has figured out. Those moments bothered me a little bit. Um, I think, I also think that he was a little too serious. I agree with Peter. Um, I enjoy lighter Tom Cruise fare for sure. And, um, I just, I don't know if I, it reminded me of nineties movies like clear and yeah. present danger or, you know, something along those lines. Um, and I like those kinds of movies and I saw, I saw the bit of homage that it did to them at times, but I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like when you see it's a Tom Cruise production, it just makes me think, like, he made this movie to appeal to the entire world, all four quadrants, and just cash in on the fact that the first Jack Reacher did well internationally, you know? I see the business behind this movie, and it makes the movie itself a little less enjoyable to me. Yeah, this is one of my bigger disappointments of the year. <laughs> I I am I'm a big fan of the first Jack Reacher film. I I think it's you know there there's the novels by Lee Child where people were upset initially and some still are because Tom Cruise you know the character Jack Reacher in the books is like six four and like has a fifty inch chest. He's like a big strapping guy. Tom Cruise is not that, but I think the film. I think it had fun playing with the image and like it had some kind of self referential things to kind of counterbalance that and it had the kind of attitude of that character it's also a very the first i'm talking about the first film it's it's well written it has a great cast of like you know solid you know has richard jenkins david yellowo rosamund pike robert duvall and Werner herzog as like a bond villain within the movie like it's it has everything you kind of want as far as like like a compelling mystery mixed with solid acting in a well-written movie and it's also it mixes kind of it mixes like a level of fun action that you get when it comes to kind of Tom Cruise and how he conducts himself with a like a level of seriousness, seriousness involving the violence. The opening of that film is this like really terrifying sniper sequence where a person just randomly shoots a bunch of people using a sniper rifle and it's chilling. Um, there's, there's other scenes also that kind of play up why the violence is not like fun. It's not fun to watch people get hurt in that movie. You know, you're... There's fun seeing people, like, in action sequences with Tom Cruise when he's doing his thing, but when it comes to, like, the actual violence, which there's a difference between, it it very much keeps that seriously, and I like that balance. I like that, you know, it's able to have a solid mystery and have Tom Cruise be, 
I think a little lighter in that film as far as kind of how he conducts himself um, and how the kind of there's a lot of myth around the Jack Reacher persona that gets explained before you actually see Tom Cruise and it's like it's a a very enjoyable movie to me and it's what you know I think the writing's solid I think the dialogue is you know it kind of it kind of crackles in a way that McQuarrie is able to do this film like has none of that uh, it it by dropping McQuarrie and replacing Edward Zwick who's a good director. Uh, but you have uh, what he he co-wrote the screenplay with uh, Richard Wank, who did like the Equalizer, and um, among other recent efforts. And it just it feels flavorless. It feels completely dry of any kind of personality. And you know these these are Tom Cruise productions. It's very happy to say that at the beginning of these films. And I wonder like what <laughs> how did this how what went wrong here where Tom Cruise couldn't get like a director that seemed more game to have a good time making a movie with him like this or settle down on a screenplay that was, you know, more entertaining to watch. Instead, we have a really cliche story. We have a really blame villain, like a couple lame villains. Uh-huh. There's almost no, there's like no stars in this movie. Like the, the biggest star is Kobe Smulders, but like, you know, the first film had, like I said, Robert Duvall and Richard Jenkins and David, like those are solid, like strong actors. Who are, who are the people that, like, this feels like a direct-to-video Tom Cruise movie, which is impressive. But Tom Cruise doesn't do that. Like, he's the guy that, like, really involves himself in his movies and, like, in, in, on the production side. And it's like, why did this happen? And the, uh, the, the, the writing is, like, the, the, the characters are so, like, cliched. The story is incredibly predictable and really, you know, unengaging. And as much as, like, I, yeah, I tried to, like, Peter, you mentioned the kind of, the family unit that gets formed here between uh, Reacher, Colby Smolder's character, and um, and then Sam, and it's like that's fun to a point, but it just it it feels more like you know when you have a sequel that's like let's introduce a kid in it because why not like like the Mummy Returns like let's have a kid this time to like have goofy things go on like it, it, <laughs> the feels, mummy it feels so ridiculous to like just the the way that you know the drop down in my opinion of quality as far as what we're trying to what we're trying to do here. And I even I've even thought of an example. I, I there's a there's a here's a here's a here's an obscure one. Get Shorty. Uh, <laughs> there, I I read this story once about Get Shorty, where John Travolta was like hesitant on signing up to play the Chili Palmer character because Elmore Leonard's screenplay was you know the the book that's based on it was kind of heavily heavily messed with as far as the details go where there's like a line early on again i'm going in, i'm going in on this one because i thought about this but there's a line early on where like the, the john travolta's turn he's trying to get back like his jacket and he's trying to explain to the coat guy the coat check guy that it's like this is a four this like in the book it's like it's a 479 dollar jacket but in like the screenplay when he originally read it they it, it just said 500 dollar jacket and it like has no like real it's just 500 dollars just a bland number and he didn't sign on until they kind of redid that screenplay and, like, added back those little details, such as having, instead of $500, be $479. And it feels like this is a this is a screenplay that just took out all, like, the good, like, the the person, the flavor, the personality, the goodness of that, of that, of the book, whatever it was doing, and just replaced it with just every kind of de facto uh, piece of detail that just feels whatever. Like, you know, there's people walking into warehouses instead of specific locations. There's a lot of like okay, they're in New Orleans. Is there anything defining about it? Not really. There's a parade, I guess. Like there's just there's nothing here that really makes it seem important or memorable in any way. And you mentioned '90s films, Aaron. Yeah, it feels like a, it feels like a very bland '90s film that like Bruce Willis would star in, in between Die Hard movies. And it's a shame. Like cause I really I really like that first film, and this film just did nothing for me at all. Yeah, you know the thing. 
I noticed a lot of those kinds of details. I mean, what what really bothered me about the storytelling is like they they'll have an action scene and then they'll be recovering or like breathing heavily or just sitting down and then they're like, all right, now it's time to talk about plot things. So I talked to this guy and here's how we're going to get the next plot point moving, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just bad. Well, I mean, actually, I really like your. I, I like what you. I like your. Um, I like what you said there, Aaron, about the the four hundred seventy nine versus the five hundred. And yeah. I think I think you're right. Um, it's just that you're right. Also, that the opening of the original Jack Reacher, that sniper thing, is pretty good. That's a pretty good scene. Um, and I did enjoy the Jack Reacher's this guy who lives off the grid and Tom Cruise's way of portraying that. Um, I guess, again, it's more just the lighter tone thing that I liked about um, never, about never, be- what is it? Never go back. Never go back. Um, which also, which even that is such a generic like name. Um, again, I am in no way saying like that it's a really good movie or anything. What I'm saying is you should revisit the first Jack Reacher to see how different these movies are and why it seems in- insane to me that you would say this movie is slightly better than the first film. <laughs> Well, we're just curious though, because I, I, I don't, I haven't seen you great. What did you give the first one? Like a three and a half. Like I'm not saying it's amazing, but I do. I think what it does, it does very well for the most part. And so I do, this, and this add, like, it, it gets plenty of bonus points for having Werner Herzog of all people. As the oh, I forgot about that. I do like the Werner Herzog. Yeah. Like, who was in this movie? The guy that was in Prison Break for like three scenes. Like, that's, <laughs> Robert, that's Robert Nepper. That's a huge downgrade from Werner Herzog. <laughs> that's true. Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, you didn't like Kobe Smolders though, and like that. I mean, I thought she, the kid was good. You didn't like any of them. Like their 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 interactions fine. I, there was a there was a lot of scenes where like she kind of gets on Jack Reacher about him telling her what to do, but then he does what he wants to do anyway. So it's like, well, what's the point? Like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> like, it, mm-hmm. mean it just because I because of how and you know this because Tom Cruise he involves himself very heavily in the production of his movies. Like he you know he's doing his stunts or whatnot, but he's also like he's. He very he like he handpicks directors. He gets very involved in kind of the in the in the pre-production stage of things, and this just feels very phoned in. Even his performance in the movie, he's just letting his eyebrows do a lot of the work for him. He's not really doing. It's true. Here. You're right. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, don't get me a wrong. lot of eyebrow work in this movie. I noticed. Don't get like, me wrong. Oh, it's it is one of the it is. I mean, it'll go down for me as like in the spectrum of Tom Cruise movies. It's definitely on the bad end. Like, but I just, I guess I just don't see what you guys were seeing in the first Jack Reacher. Like, so I guess you haven't seen it since it's released. (laughs) I mean, like, I guess, but like, eh, is it on Netflix? I guess I could see it was on Amazon Prime for a long time. I know that. Um, But regard, I mean, regardless of the even just Tom Cruise in general in that film, I think there's just objectively better things about that movie as far as like the casting goes, the the use of like the it was in Pittsburgh that location it just it felt like that movie had life to it this movie doesn't have any life to it like i, I can't there's no there's nothing here for that really, like, you... compel, to come out to be like involved in this story that felt so just so, slapdash just to be clear though of the recent action tom Cruise. well okay, i know you didn't think oh, yeah this... edge of tomorrow and mission impossible rogue nation, rogue nation are mission impossible go ghost protocol are way back. rock of ages obviously those are all better action <laughs> movies <laughs> right Rogue uh, Nation, the the new Mission Impossible is still going to be Christopher McQuarrie, right? It's the first time he's using the same director. Yes, for a for a Mission Impossible film. For Mission Impossible, right? So because they're like best friends now, like they've been working because he's been because McQuarrie's did like a number of things. Like he uh, what he like he wrote Valkyrie, 
Um, he's he's been like a go- he's been a ghostwriter a lot of. Uh, is he the was he the executive? Did he executive produce um, Jack Reacher? Well, he, he directed Jack Reacher. No, I meant the sequel, the new one. Oh, the, he's a pretty he's a producer on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he got that project off the ground, like in time. And, eventually tom cruise got like there it, it just worked out to have the two of them involved in a thing together they've been they've been working together for some time at this point um do you think it'll do well what i mean it was number two this weekend right behind Medea. well the thing with the first jack reacher came out in december so it had kind of you know legs this one i don't think it will do as well just unless you know internationally it blows up but it just doesn't have the kind of staying power when you have movies like well inferno next week which regardless of the quality of that movie which we'll find out you know it's it's very it has a similar demographic as far as you know tom hanks doing actiony type stuff so uh, that's another movie that i don't know why it exists i'm just like why is inferno because those first two make tons of money that's why because <laughs> tom not... hanks is an international star well, i love tom Peter, hanks if you're gonna ask does anyone like these movies that doesn't that doesn't necessarily make it a, a improbability to have sequels to major hits to movies well no but okay the first one the da vinci Code was a huge hit i mean that book and it's terrible it's one of no, the no, worst no, blockbusters book, ever but <laughs> the book the book was so big there was no way they couldn't make a movie out of it but then the second one, Angels, I'm like, it felt so like, so then when they made the third, when I saw Inferno trailer, I'm like, wait, what? There's another one? I was like, why are they making these still? Like, it just. Because the Angels of Demons may not have been as big as Da Vinci Code, but still made like $700 million. That's why. Yeah, because these, because they make money. And because and Ron Howard, after making like Rush, which is great, but made no money, and then making In the Heart of the Sea, which was, you know, not great, but also didn't make too much money, he needs a hit. He needs a movie, so it's like, well, I guess I'll go back to this franchise that made me millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, in the heart of the sea, I I thought it was okay, but it's way better than these movies. I mean, like it's, it is, but you know, they're it, not. If he's you know, he's got to do something that's going to make him a ton of money so he can do whatever he wants next. And this is you know, it's going to make him more money than those have. Wait, was Rush the car one? Rush was the, yeah. Was the, actually, the I thought little... that was actually. I thought that was good. I, it I is good. Saying, actually, it's great. It's a great movie. It's, it's a wonderful movie. film. I, yeah, that was good. I I like that. Like, great uh, sound design, right, Eric? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, it was on Abe's top ten film list. Uh, it was certainly one of the, it was one of my favorite movies of that year. It was didn't quite make the t- top ten, but it's certainly one that I really respect. Agree. Anyway, Jack Reacher. <laughs> Yeah, what else can we talk about, Jack? Reacher? That's why we're going up top because there's nothing here, guys. Like, there's not, it's not good. It's true. There's not. Really, um, I really that, just yeah. liked. I, I just liked Reacher Vision, where like Jack Reacher, Reacher Vision walked, was funny, where he like walked into a room and sees black and white flashbacks of what probably happened. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of script element that uh, I think is a little silly. Yeah. The um like like the action in the movie like there's not much. And there's not much in the first one either. It's just maybe like kind of builds to eventual action, but like it's it's whatever. Like there's nothing remarkable about it. He gets a lot of time to do his favorite thing, which is run. Yeah, he does. There's a lot of there's even crews running with other people. With other people, I was gonna say that it's like they're they're both running together. Yeah, which is funny. There was also a kind of comically awkward scene where um, Tom Cruise and Kobe Smulders escape from somewhere that is. So unlikely to escape from. I uh-huh. that was the first moment where I was like, "What? What the heck's going well, on Aaron, here?" Aaron, they were ducking. So I know they were ducking, and they used a they used a car horn to distract people. <laughs> well, you know um, but anyway, they're in the hotel room, and Kobe Smolders just casually is not wearing a shirt, uh, and they're just like, you know, just being super casual about it. I'm like, this is a little awkward. Didn't he call you to go take you out on a date? <laughs> 
they, right. they, there was so, so much uh, criminal implications going on they had no time to consider these things and also yeah. in the first in the first jack reacher that was one of the awkward moments isn't there an awkward moment with tom cruise and um the gone girl uh roseman Rose Rose yeah they're sitting in a hotel and well jack because jack reacher doesn't have anything besides what he wears and what's in his pocket so he's like washing his shirt in the sink and she's right. sitting there he's like can you put a shirt on he's like this and he's like this is my shirt and it's like drying on the on the rack <laughs> also did you guys think it was weird that and again i haven't this movie takes place in America, but it felt like a European thing. Again, I haven't really been to Europe that much. But when he does a scene where Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, they're like, "Oh, we need to get to an internet cafe." I'm like, "An internet?" Ca-? I'm like, "What year is this taking place?" Like, right. I, I was like, "An internet cafe." I was like, "That was right. kind of funny." I saw that, and I was, I just, <laughs> the line was, "Is there still an internet cafe around here?" And the taxi yeah. cab driver was like, "Yeah, on this street." <laughs> I was like, "What? What taxi cab driver is going to know where an internet cafe well, is?" The best one, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So wait, are we all saying thumbs down on this one? I mean, again, I think I preferred it to the first one, but but this could be one of those moments where Aaron usually says, "When I look back on, if I give something a second chance, I might go, oh, okay, Jack." Well, like you were like you were pretty like okay with X Men Apocalypse, which I think is just a bad movie. And Ooh, then you, that's like, a bad back movie. At the other, then you like rewatch the other X Men movies, and you're like, you know what, this isn't very good. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what, I saw Apocalypse. I was like, oh, this is pretty enjoyable. And then in that weekend, I rewatched the X Men movies. I was like, oh my god, this isn't. These are way better. <laughs> like, like, well, okay, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah, it's a, I'm gonna say it's a thumbs the- down. I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was massively. I think it's a bad movie. I thought it was, yeah. especially for Tom. It makes it worse if anything because it's Tom Cruise. Where it's like, regardless of people's opinions of Tom Cruise, he puts effort into his films, and this feels mm-hmm. like one where he didn't, and that's disappointing to me. That, that's true. Yeah. I, guess I, just, I, just, I want Tom Cruise to. I honestly, I want Tom Cruise to do what Denzel is doing with Fences. I want him to just get back. Play to a crusty old black man. I get it. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. black man. No, I want him to do a drama. I don't want, I don't need him to be a kick-ass action guy. I'm I, really, yeah. That, I'd much rather spend something like Magnolia again. Oh, well, yeah, like I, that's not I agree. Happen. It'd be nice to see Tom Cruise go back to 90s Cruise where he's doing, you know, a lot of obscure properties that aren't, you know, focused. Because he didn't, he didn't do action much until... Like Mission Impossible Two is when he like started to start kicking kicking it into gears. But even then, probably I guess Mission Impossible Three is really when he started doing just like nothing but action movies. I think that was the subtitle to Mission Impossible Two: Kicking It Into Gear. Kicking it into gear. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next one, he has he has his next one coming. Um, it's a new um, uh, Doug Liman movie where he's playing. What is he playing? Like a drug cartel guy? Ooh, that would be good. Yeah, maybe that'll be good. I, I like American Made, which got moved up to like next September. Um, a biographical criminal drama thriller. So, Interesting. Interesting. He plays Barry Seal, one of my favorite Tom Cruise names, apparently. Not right just now. A TWA pilot who is recruited by the CIA to help counter the emerging communist threat in Central America. What about, uh, isn't Les Grossman, isn't that, isn't that your favorite Tom Cruise character? Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> Tropic from Thunder? Tropic That's Thunder. That's Tropic yeah. Thunder. <laughs> That's the best Tom Cruise character of all time. <laughs> right next to his Taps character, like I'm telling you. <laughs> Actually, I thought he was doing a Taps reference in Jack Reacher. That moment when he escapes the prison, or the military prison. When he, he, puts, puts, the jet, when he puts the jacket and the hat on. Yeah, yeah and I was like, is supposed to be a reference to Taps? Is that- I think it is. I, yeah. he's, not a, he's not above that kind of thing, so I think it, it works. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, yeah, I was... I, I really did not like Jack Reacher Never Go Back, and that's a shame, because I... You know, there's there's still like what 18 more books in the series to adapt. If he does go back to this, um, 
I just hope it's better next time. So. I think I agree. Are you saying that we all should have seen Medea this weekend and we should have been talking about that right now? Uh, that's my vote. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. That movie know, looks I hilarious. I don't know why I want to see that movie. Like, uh, it's probably terrible. But yeah. All right. Well, with that, so we're all basically saying don't see this movie. <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah. Well, no, we're not necessarily. Where, where would you say people should see this movie? I don't know. Watch it at home if you've seen the first one and you want to see this one. I guess. I'm wondering if Jack Reacher is one of those movies that works well as a Netflix viewing, where you're like, hey, it's pretty good. I watched it again the other day just to, like, catch, because I haven't saw Watch in a while, and I wanted to, you know, be back up to speed on Jack Reacher. I was like, yeah, this is still good. <laughs> it's, they're probably fine on Netflix. You know, the only thing I've ever seen Tyler Perry in is Gone Girl. I don't think I've seen him in anything else, because I've never seen his movies. Oh, man, you gotta see a few of them. You gotta well, see. I didn't see Alex one. Cross because I don't cross Alex Cross, obviously. But uh, obviously, he's good in Gone Girl. He is. Well, yeah, he's good in Gone Girl. Like it just requires. He's not a bad actor at all. He, well, no, he's in Star Trek for like you know a minute. All right, so that was Jack Reacher Never Go Back, <laughs> or Jack Reacher Never Go. And uh, bad title, guys. Right? I mean, Never Go Back. That doesn't inspire me to want to like Jack Reacher Always Go Back. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's do this. But Never Go Back. All right, moving on. Let's get down to feedback. Feedback, feedback. feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. Where we go over there is questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We asked a number of questions, and you guys, you listeners, provided us some answers. You also asked up some questions. We'll be happy to provide answers, too. So I'm going to go through these. You guys, feel free to uh, lend in your responses as well if you want to. Sure. Um, here's the first one. Tom Cruise gets in his share of running in films. What's your favorite Tom Cruise running moment? And, oh, uh, Philip Wright. Philip Wright's didn't he outrun a sandstorm in Dubai? Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. But uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a nostalgia guy and uh, say running out of the restaurant in the original Mission Impossible as That's it is exploding. One. That's a great one. Yeah. I love that. And like Danny Elfman's score in that one's like yeah. going high on it and everything. Yeah. Because it's because so like the it's because there's a shot of like in slow motion of him like this giant explosion and then like the it cuts and it's just like him running and there's just like a splash of water like right the <laughs> yeah it's fantastic just I mean uh, the whole the whole restaurant is a giant fish tank basically yeah that's that's great but I would say um, no I, I would say the, the the big scene where uh, Anderton realizes that his his red ball comes up or whatever in Minority Report. Ooh, report. yeah. Where everybody everybody runs. Right. The tagline like, of that movie. You don't have to run. Like, that's... Everybody tough. runs. Yeah, like... Um, but, you, but you're right. That's That 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 smaller sequence in Mission Possible is pretty great. Like, But I, I really you know, like... Yeah. My Minority is, Report's uh, so good. It is. I love Minority Report. It's a fantastic film. But uh, mine might be uh, Mission Impossible 3. Where there's this, where he like he's in what is it Hong Kong and he comes out on off a rooftop gets on the ground and Simon he's on the peg of Simon Simon Peg and uh, he's just like you got to run like a mile and it just like it's just J J Abrams in one shot shooting Tom Cruise running through like a crowded like alleyway and oh Hong yeah Kong. that seems like, good yeah and he's just like nonstop it's like there's no cuts it's just him running this entire distance and I'm like damn Tom Cruise is just running now. <laughs> there's no cut here it's just like yep he's he's still doing it that's his thing. I was just thinking what another another a flip to that question could be like what's a good Tom Cruise role where because of the character he doesn't really run and I was Born on the Fourth of July. Well, <laughs> that's um, no, I was thinking, does Lestat does Lestat not run? I don't think he does because he's a no. He, yeah, he's too he's he's, he's, he's too much vampire, of a he's, foppish vampire. He's too he doesn't foppish, know, yeah. Yeah, like uh, he doesn't really run on Top Gun. 
He doesn't run in Top Gun. He just flies planes. Oh, no, well, he that volleyball scene. He's got to run. I mean, he's kind of too. jumping around a little, but um, I mean, that's that's splitting hairs. Yeah, I guess that's grasping at straws. Actually, not splitting hairs. I like his run in Vanilla Sky also. Mm-hmm. When it's like yeah, empty streets like in New York and he's freaking out, or when he like realizes what's going on to an extent, he's running through like an uh, like oh, office. When he's saying tech support. Yeah, tech support. Tech support. Yeah, that's pretty good. I forgot about he that. doesn't do too much running in Eyes Wide Shut, does he? He does a lot call. of walking. He just kind of walks. A lot of slow walking. So, a lot of so confused hot. walking. Yeah. 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 But given that it was Kubrick, he probably had to run back every time to reset the scene. True. All right, next question. Favorite film about people who were framed for a crime? Manish writes, Hitchcock had many great ones, North by Northwest, 39 Steps, Frenzy, etc., Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis writes, "Is Roger Rabbit a people?" <laughs> <laughs> April writes, "Presumed innocent, maybe." Great question. My answer: Nope, it's Gone Girl. That's all of that. Nope, it's uh, the Fugitive, and that's all of that. Philip writes, "The Fugitive." Um, Jason writes, "Fast Five, and Jay writes, "Demolition Man." Obviously, the correct answer. <laughs> Demolition Man. Can I? Can I read? Can I? Um, can I make that uh, question plural? Sub- sure. Plural. I would say the hackers and hackers. That's your favorite movie by people that were framed for a crime. Got, well, well, she just said, or your your uh, person said North by Northwest because I was like, well, yeah, yeah. obviously that's the, the <laughs> like movie. So then I just wanted to think of more of a fun one, and I was like, oh, I, I, know, I know, I'm just, yeah, kidding. I was like, I'm, I like I'm Josh and hackers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm funny. Yeah, you're All right. <laughs> uh, next question here: What genre of film would you love to see Tom Cruise tackle? Uh, Philip writes the Wes Anderson genre. Doesn't Anderson have his own genre at this point? <laughs> uh, Actually, that would be cool to see him in a Wes Anderson movie. Manish writes he hasn't done a movie Jerry, like Jerry Maguire in a long time. So a yeah. romantic dramedy type movie. He's pretty still he's still pretty charming. Uh, Maxwell, friend of the show, writes horror, but where he is the villain causing the horror. Yes, the that would be incredible. Isn't that interview with the vampire? He's the collateral. Yeah, no. that's true. Collateral. Oh, collateral is the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love. I mean, it's not horror, obviously, but yeah. no, that that's true. Um, uh, yeah, I would, I would. That would be the my answer to the question is I would like. I don't really care what it is. I would just like, in terms of genre, I would just like him to be a villain. It's something like yeah. like Red Eye, you know, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, he acts charming, but he's actually like a horrible person. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, let's see. Nippon writes one where he's not a bamf. <laughs> <laughs> Where were he's what? Not a bamf. Not a badass. Okay. Um, and lastly, Tyler writes, Friday the 13th, hashtag make Friday the 13th watchable again. Make Friday the 13th watchable again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you you mentioned, uh, or Philip mentioned Wes Anderson, and you know, that's kind of, you know, that's what he was essentially doing when he did Magnolia, right? Mm-hmm. He was still taking, like, character roles right. like that. Different Anderson. Same idea. Yeah, actually, I really yeah. think Actually, I think that, yeah, it would be cool to see him in a Wes Anderson project. I would like to see that. I would just like to see him in anything artistic. Just anything like Magnolia or, you know. My biggest thing is I feel like in the late 80s and 90s, Cruz or, or Cruz and his team or whatever was really smart about, even though he had movies like Days of Thunder and Top Gun, he had those in Cocktail and stuff. He was really big on working with directors that would push him, you know, Barry Levinson, Scorsese and stuff. Like, I, I guess I feel like 
even though I, I, I like the idea of what kind of role I'd like to see him, it's just more I would really like to see him work with directors. Oh, I mean, would we like to see him work with David Fincher? You know, like I, it's more. Which he really wanted for Mission Impossible 3. Like that was happening for a while. Really? Yeah, it was like it was had him for a while, and then they had um, Joe Carnahan for a good while, and then yeah, then they got then they settled on that Abrams character. <laughs> <laughs> Has he done anything lately? No, I, I don't know. I, th- I heard he rewrote the national anthem. Who? J.J. Abrams. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess I would like to see him. I'm trying to think of who are filmmakers I would like. Uh, Steve McQueen would be somebody I'd like. I'd be curious to see what. Well, yeah, you get like indie directors with crew, but at the same time, it's not like he's been slacking on these things. I mean, he, I think Corey is a good director. I think you know he's got. I think Doug, Doug Lyman and him make one of his best movies of Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, you got Brad Bird with the other Mission. I mean, yeah, they're action movies, but it's like I don't think they're not pushing him. Uh, even if it just is him playing action guy, I still think he's like I'm. Like I said before, like you said, I, he gives 110 percent to these roles. I guess they're not as interesting as a as a performance piece necessarily compared to other films. But. but like, okay, a movie that most people would say is terrible. Um, and it's weird. I liked it the first time I saw it. I like gave it a rave review and then I saw it later and I was like, Oh my God, this isn't very good. Um, what? I would give Cruz a lot of credit for doing rock of agents. Like, but I think he's the best part of that movie. He's also. absolutely the best part, but like, he's totally doing a, I mean, singing a rock. I mean, like that's a very different thing for him. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, I guess I just, yeah, like, or even like Tropic Thunder, it's ridiculous. Oh, He's ridiculous sure. in it, but it's like it's, <laughs> it's a, a good... it's a wild different choice for him. Next question: What's a sequel or prequel that you could think of that vastly improved upon the original? Well, we oh, we that's vastly. funny. Matt Manish writes Paranormal Activity three, Catching um, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. A friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, writes TMNT, Out of the Shadows, and Adam's Family Values. I agree Tyler with TMNT, right? actually. Is it that good? Yeah. That t- I hated TM. I didn't like the first one. Is it it was a lot. I mean, I didn't like the first one, but it, and the second one is, it's, it's really, it's, but it's still, it's very it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot more fun than the first really? one because it just, it's, it I think it's it. very simple. It panders to the people who watch the show, but in the best but possible way. In a fun way. Yeah, like, exactly. Because there's pandering in a way that just feels like lazy, but this feels like, oh, no, they no. really went all out. <laughs> no, yeah, I, that's why pander maybe isn't the best word, but I, I, that's what it did, just in the best possible way. Well, you know what I think does that, and it's weird because I defend the first film, but the second one is my favorite of the series, is Star Trek Two. Star Trek Two is... It's not that it's pandering, but it's exactly like, oh, this is why people like Star Trek, like, and it's great. Star Trek, the motion picture, is trying to be like 2001, which isn't quite a great fit. Uh, let's see. Tyler adds the second and third Purge films. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, these next two are confusing to me because I think the first ones are all good in this, but Brandon writes The Road Warrior and Evil Dead 2, and Dennis writes Captain America, The Winter Soldier. <laughs> But I really like the the first entries and all of those. So. Yeah, but Evil Dead Two is like the. I mean, that's the best one. I mean, like in, in it's Lord maybe Lord. the best one, but I think Evil Dead's a fantastic horror film. Hmm. It's it, I don't know. Evil Dead Two is pretty great, man. I mean, like it. I'm not putting down Evil Dead Two, but I'm not putting down <laughs> Evil Dead One either. I mean, it's just. Right I, there I with think uh, going back to our previous conversation, Terminator Two Judgment Day. Um, next question. What did everyone think of that Logan trailer? Maxwell writes, I loved it. At- atmospheric, intriguing, and it seems to be unique in the world of superhero movies. Uh, Manish writes, I love the beginning, but got less interested when they get to action parts. So we'll, we'll see on that one. 
Nope. Uh, la- last question we asked, what's everyone dressing up for as Halloween? Nippon writes, bearded Asian. It's a rare breed, I hear. <laughs> and uh, Manish writes, anger from inside out. <laughs> um, now we get to our questions that we asked. Um, Philip a- oh, we got a number of questions here. Uh, Philip asks, Tom Cruise runs, Tom Hanks pees, Sam Rockwell dances, Wes Anderson kills dogs, and Sean Bean dies. What Do you have a favorite movie trope that gives you a kick each time you see it happen? For the record, Tom Hanks pees in like seven movies. Just saying. That's funny. Um, I guess maybe... <laughs> I don't know why this is the first thing that pops in my head, but I'll, I'll go with it anyway. I'm going to say uh, The Rock's pectoral dancing. Okay. I, th- I thought of um, whenever Samuel L. Jackson unleashes some kind of swearing tirade, that tends to make me laugh quite a bit. That's a good one, yeah. The only thing I can think of right now isn't really something that I love, but it's a thing that they do in every one of those movies. I know Aaron hates these movies. Um, doesn't Mila Jovovich always say in a new recording, my name is Alice, in every Resident Evil movie? It's a thing that you just come to expect. I think she does. Who's she narrating to in these movies? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's paying for these movies? That's the better question. Uh, so enough people to get into a sixth or seventh a- entry. <laughs> Next question. Um, April asks, what's the worst movie you've seen this year? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm still at Suicide Squad. Yeah, I think that was what I was going to say, too. I mean, year. if we're saying just as, like, from a from a level of, of, of incoherency and, like, laziness or whatever, yes, yeah, Suicide Squad, but... I don't know, man. I was, and you were there. I was so angry at 13 hours. <laughs> I, I hated that movie so much. I can't deny it's obviously well made, but I mean, what's what, when we talk about that, what is, what are we saying? Are we saying it's, it's like, well, it's what is bad is because it's poorly made or is it because the ideas it's getting across or what? I mean, like, well, I, I generally think of just kind of, you know, the experience you had in watching something that makes it so terrible to you. Because I think if it's poorly made, that's a, that's a factor. But I can I, there's movies I like that are poorly made but have ideas to go with them or, like, maybe there's a performance that stands out or something that gives it a certain level of quality. So it's not necessarily – it's because of the reason it's poorly made that makes it the worst thing I've seen. Like, if there's – I think there's other factors. That's, yeah. that's, that's one that goes within it. Yeah, but I mean, looking at looking at, like, Suicide Squad, there's a lot of – there's – there's some competent stuff in there. <laughs> There's like, a lot of I, reasons like, why that movie stinks. There, but yeah, there are a lot of other reasons why that movie is just terrible. <laughs> I mean, if we're also talking worst, I mean, and I know you hated this also, why why are we putting Suicide Squad at the bottom and not The Huntsman? That was That's like barely a movie too. It is barely that's a movie. Terrible. It'll probably be in my like top five worst, but Huntsman, <laughs> I'm not, again, it's a matter of expectation of what I'm going into. It's like, I'm not thinking, man, Snow White and the Huntsman was so great. I can't wait for this Hunt movie. I'm coming out of like a, you know a bad movie there with this other one that's really just weird in its setup. It's like, is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? It's both apparently. How does that work? And I get it, and it's like, oh, that's okay. That was bad. That's it. That's like, oh, it's, it's just, it just is. There's nothing there. I mean, Suicide Squad. I wanted to see this movie. I was looking forward to this movie. I wanted to. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's impressive that it was not only like you know not mediocre. It was that terrible. True. All right. Next question. Joe asks, "How big is your personal movie collection?" Huge. Vast. <laughs> that's, that's my answer right there. Mine's I'm so a huge, big. I'm, I'm a I'm a big uh, physical media person. Still, I, I I collect Blu-rays and you sure do. Uh, and I have 
Aaron, my, yeah, my my Criterion collection alone probably rivals most people's regular DVD sets. So, Aaron, is it more than one bookshelf? <laughs> That's a funny question. Uh, yeah, it is, it's a wall. It is, I have I have one like great big bookshelf. Then I have like another big rack. Then I have another giant rack for my Criterions, and I have another rack. And so there's, I, like, I have at least like six racks right there. Um, there, it's well over probably two thousand. So. That's pretty massive. Mine's not yeah. that big, but uh, I do have a decent amount of Blu-rays, and and I still have some some DVDs. But I actually think that I'm gonna abandon all of my DVDs and just give them a, give them to the Amoeba gods, if you will. I have a stack of ones that I should be giving away, or I will sell on eBay at some point, just because like I have no space for this, and why do I have it to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that happens from time to time. Aaron, do you have any actual DVDs, or do you only have Blu-rays? No, I have DVDs still. I think I only have maybe two DVDs. I don't have like I don't buy I don't buy any now, but well, yeah, I still have not. older DVDs, mainly for movies that haven't gotten special editions yet, that kind of thing. So it's like, well, I still have it. Yeah, <laughs> like it, True Lies, my... which, is a, which is a terrible DVD. Like, my voodoo library is big, but my actual physical library, it's not that big. I mean, it's maybe 50. I don't have that many anymore. Like, you're right, though. Criterions, I do like having those. But a lot of them, it's usually more like, I'm like, okay, I have this, but I've also got the digital code. Do I need to keep the disc? I'm like, eh. Like, well, it helps that I review stuff, so I just get these things. Oh, well, no, we and, also, and, nice. and I like And I like features. For them. I, like, I like commentaries and stuff, and I don't. A lot of these don't. But you know, a lot of until, the, the iTunes. A lot of times they give you the, the bonuses with the two now. Yeah, and that's good to know. But I also I don't have like an Apple TV. Uh, I don't have like okay. I don't have a convenient way to watch stuff streaming without having to like plug several things in. Right. Okay. Things. So Apple like, TV is the way of the future, my man. So until <laughs> I get something like that going, I'm just going to be sticking with my physical. Media. That's reasonable. Like, I went out. Yeah, like I went out and bought the thing because I really wanted the new Carpenter, and I I mean it's like yeah, of course that, but. I mean, it's most new movies, a lot of times I'm kind of like, man, as long as I have the streaming, it's like, I don't really. Um, yeah, that's, you know. Also, the quality is better still. Yeah, I agree. The sound and the video, regardless of how good it is to get HD streaming or whatnot, it's still always, it, until, you know, something changes, it's still better to do it physically than to get digital. Next question here, Jason asks, would, Re- would Jack Reacher cross Alex Cross? <laughs> That's a good question, and I don't know the answer. I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen it. I haven't seen Yeah. As I've come to learn, nobody crosses Alex Cross. Um, so you can't cross Alex Cross, and therefore Reacher can't cross Alex Cross. Fair enough. Last question here. This is a good question here. Uh, Manish asks, could a superhero movie work without typical superhero action, just like a straight drama or a comedy that happens to star a superhero? Jessica um, Jones. So, yes, for one thing. And What did you just say, Peter? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, a good example. I was also going to uh, say, if this quest, uh, I wonder if this question was inspired by the Logan trailer because for a yeah. while that's kind of what I thought, and honestly, I would like it if it was based on the trailer. It appears that it may be that way, and I would enjoy it more. I think if there was just a few pockets of cool action. Yeah, I think one of the one of the highest examples you can think of is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's a lot of the kind of smaller, not based off comic characters, but films like um, Super from James Gunn. Yes. Uh, was it like Defendor? Um, special with Michael Rappaport. Like, there's these like kind of like guys that become vigilantes for whatever reason type movies that play into some tropes, but don't have like they're they're more about just character drama rather than you know world ending stakes things like that. 
Um, not that, I mean, it's a little far to say Incredibles, but I think Incredibles works because it is basically a comedy drama that happens to involve superhero characters. Yes, yes, 100%. Let's, uh, let's move on. Now, instead of, instead of games, and we might still play a game, we'll see, but um, Peter, you're, you're involved in the video game industry to an extent, right? Is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, I review, I review and cover games. You can just say yes. yes. Make- I mean, that works too. Sure, yeah. I, I figured, yeah. Why, why, why not get a get some get some get some uh, get some talk about video games going? Because I I play video games, Aaron. I believe you play video games as well. I do. Um, and uh, I know Peter, you've been you've you've reviewed a few things recently uh, that are coming out, and other things are coming out in general that I think some of us might be excited for. So any uh, any things you want to? talk about specifically well, I, um, I recently went to two events um, one for Battlefield 1 and one for Titanfall 2 um, Battlefield 1 the reviews are already out my reviews up at uh, Game Revolution and I liked it a lot um, I'm not, Battlefield 1 I'm not a huge shooter but guy uh, so Battlefield 1 takes place during World War 1 hence the 1 um, okay. I feel like we've gotten so many shooters that are so modern warfare like in the last 10 years that um it's nice to go back to weapons and vehicles that aren't reliable and aren't like super powered there's a quality about that that i, I really like and it's a pretty good campaign um cool. like so yeah i like that uh titanfall 2 is i don't know if people titanfall came out a couple years ago but it had no single player campaign. It's just it was just a pure multiplayer. It's shooter, like a, right? you're a pilot, you can jump in these big mechs, kind of like a Pacific Rim thing, and like you basically do death matches and arena battles. So Titanfall Two, they added a multiplayer component, and what's kind of cool about it is, in a weird way, sort of like the Marvel Comics question to a degree. Instead of going big for the single player campaign, where it's like this huge epic story what the story really is is it's about this guy who gets his first robot his titan that's what they call him in titanfall and it's his relationship with the with the titan so the titan talks and everything and i mean of course there's platforming and action and stuff but like the heart of the single player campaign is it's you hanging out with this robot and i really like that again i'm not saying it's bioshock or anything but like i was like oh this is this is actually a good way to tell the story this is a good way to make a story out of something that didn't really have much of a story. And to, to that, I would say that, and I know Aaron plays Overwatch. I wish Blizzard would do that with Overwatch because I played. Well, they did in a recent update, actually. Wait, so um, have, because when I turned on Overwatch when it came out, I was like, "Wow, these characters are really pretty. I like the personalities, but all we're doing is just arena matches." I'm like, "We don't really have any goals, and there's no real." Yeah, it's it's. It's simplified in its uh, in its approach of gameplay, but I think what's nice about it, um, well, what has always been nice about it is how important it is to have good team chemistry. Um, not only in terms right. of the, the kinds of players that you play with as just as as people, but as the character choices, and you know those character choices depend on the map that you're playing, and then sometimes even more specifically, there are three maps within a general place and it can vary from those maps to map as well. So it's become a game where it's the same thing over and over again, but it's rarely the same experience because the updates to the game change the meta game itself. You know, what, what type of players people or what type of characters people choose to play. And in the most recent update, um, they did a, a whole bunch of Halloween stuff 
Um, you know, a big, com- a big component of it is that there are things to collect, um, like the Hearthstone card game. You know, there's always new content coming out, so there's all these new things you can collect when you level up in the game, and um, they have a lot of Halloween-based skins. And then there is a thing that changes every week. Now it's uh, every few weeks, but um, it's called a Brawl, and that is a different game mode with different regulations every week. And for Halloween, it is an original, new, single, uh, you know, three, four-player story where you're playing against a computer... And it's uh, it's like a typical sort of Call of Duty type survival zombies situation where you're in one location and you get waves and waves and waves and you have to survive. And it's original story. It's got it's brand new content. So if they keep doing stuff like that, I think it's going to expand the game's potential and probably audience very widely. I don't, I don't see Overwatch doing an actual 8- to 10-hour campaign unless they were to make Overwatch 2. I don't think that would just be an update. I think that would be... Because that would take a long time to do something like that. Yeah, I assume that what's going to happen is they're going to do more stuff like this Halloween thing, which is, you know, it's a solid, like, 10 minutes of gameplay. Um, So if they keep creating new scenarios for, you know, four, five, six-player against computer campaigns, I think that everyone who's playing the game now will will continue to be very happy. Aaron, are you playing anything? <laughs> the only thing I've been playing still... Uh, be so, well, I've been playing uh, the ba- the Batman Telltale game series. I really like oh, the Telltale good. game yeah, yeah. games, yes. and I've been playing the Batman one so far, and they're very entertaining. They tell... I you know Obviously, I'm a huge Batman guy, so getting a Telltale game in the world of Batman, that's awesome for me. And uh, so it's been a... I've been enjoying this story. It's two chapters so far, and the next one gets released actually this Tuesday, the day of this podcast's release. So I'm excited for that. Um, and honestly, Star Wars Battlefront, I'm still playing. You haven't played uh, Tomb Raider yet? I No, because I haven't gotten it yet. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Games cost money, and I'll get to it eventually. No, and I really, it's I'm looking, so good. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking it up, because I, I really like that the first Tomb Raider reboot, and I'm a huge Uncharted guy. My lovely girlfriend and I just went through all the Uncharted, and oh, I'm currently on Uncharted great. 4. I've oh. played Uncharted 4, but I'm happy to revisit it again. I want to play uh, 4 so bad. I don't so, have a PlayStation yeah, 4. In addition to Uncharted, you get a Tomb Raider game that's just, you know has basically a, a very similar engine and you know play style. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to the Last Guardian, which is finally coming out. Yes, that looks really good. You know, Peter, you were saying something earlier that made me think of probably the best game I've ever played uh, unequivocally, and that would be The Last of Us. Um, and you made me think of it because you were talking about how Titanfall created a story that was really just about the characters, and that's what that. That's what made that game so incredible to me is that, like, I cared so much about made-up people. Oh, I love, yeah, The Last of Us is absolutely, The Last of Us, Bioshock, I mean, like, there's a handful of games that are, to me, the best games ever made. I've played The Last of Us, like, four times, I think. Like, yeah, I love that game. Um, You know what um, I'm looking forward to? I don't have any, once I finish my Titanfall review, I don't have another game to review until maybe... Dishonored or Watchdogs, if I'm doing those, which I don't know if I am. I'm looking forward to those. But I'm hoping to, in the next week or so, I, I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Have you guys heard of Mafia 3? Yes, I have. Yes. I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm the one fan of Mafia 2, because I had that on PlayStation... Was it PlayStation 3? Was that on? Um, yeah. And um, I, I really like... What I liked about it is it's like an open-world game, but there wasn't much to do. But I was just happy kind of sticking with the story. I thought it was a well-written... 
uh, right. mafia story told in a in a video game that spans well, that's what I, six, I mean, six or seven hours. And so that's that's what I'm hearing about three, which is I guess unfortunate to some people because they you know there's flaws or whatnot in having such a huge area to play with and not having much to do. But I like that I can do I can kind of explore a world if I wanted to, but just kind of proceed with only the story. Right. I've heard that the gameplay is pretty generic in Mafia Three. Like, but the story playing this. Um, black Vietnam vet living in New Orleans in the '60s. Like I've heard, it's a yeah. good story. So I'm like, oh, I really want to see that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm very curious about that. So looks great. Um, oh, Red Dead Redemption Two trailer right, a few days see, ago but, made me real happy. Yeah, that looked amazing. I mean, they're, I mean, they're the rock stars, the apex of the open world. So that looks, they, which is why they can make a game every five years that they can take forever, but. Yeah, yeah but you know what? They got me. I just rebought GTA Five on Xbox One. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially living in. See, but you mentioned Red Dead Redemption. I put that in the list with like Last of Us and stuff as far. And I mean, probably if I had to think about it, probably in like best games ever thing. But just in terms of like stories in video oh, games, yeah. mm-hmm. that's that's a fa- that's a fantastic story. Yeah, it's it a yeah. central character arc that you know, aside from all the side stuff you could do, which is a lot of fun in Red Dead. I mean, you're, you know, it's a western in a video game. Oh fun. my god, the but, zombies you know, the kind of too. Arc- and yeah, the, the the zombie DLC for Red Dead is probably one of the best like, DLC bonus yeah. editions I've ever played because it's so much fun and it gives you pathos for a Sasquatch at some point. So it's like, wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> no, Red Dead Redemption is, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's like, right. But yeah, so the announcement of a sequel, because I mentioned this, is like, I feel like I got the ultimate Western gaming experience already with Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. So like, while I'm, I'm automatically looking forward to a sequel, just because it's Rockstar, they make good games. I, I'm very curious what else they have to offer as far as where this can take me. Yeah, they did let you do a lot of stuff, but I, I can only assume that they'll allow us to do It'll more. It'll certainly look great on the you know on the next-gen systems or whatnot, so I was like, well, it's going to be a great-looking game. Could we, sure. we couldn't rob a train in Red Dead Redemption, right? I bet you they'll let us That's do that true. now. Yeah, that'd be fun. Rob a train. Or like jump, you know, jump horse on it because they did yeah. that in like Red Dead Revolver, which I was a big fan of. Oh, even though it's yeah. like a, because that was a game Rockstar came on to like midway through, so they just kind of had to build up. They had to like go through a lot of stuff, but it's like a fun like linear action game, and it had some had some neat ideas like jumping off of like a train onto a horse and stuff like that. So ideally, yeah, this could kind of perfect some of those early ideas they had for like classic Western stuff in a video game. Mm-hmm. True. Maybe more rattlesnake bites. Funny, I'm, my brother, who huge, uh, huge Rockstar fan, he is. He is. He I, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years about this, but he was not happy about the end of Red Dead Redemption. He really didn't like because of how emotional it makes. Him. I guess he really did not like. He's just like, I don't like this, and I was like, well, I was like, it's so popular. like, don't like it because he was responding to emotionally. To I it, yeah, like I don't, like yeah, I mean, like, I was like, that's great. I was like, that's a pretty cool way to like. You know, I don't. I mean, can we give spoilers to a? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily spoil exactly what happens, but I do like that. You know, before action sets in, there is like a lengthy sequence of you like training your son how to be a good rancher, and it just it, it slows everything down for a purpose before like gets to kind of an inevitable conclusion for your lead character, and then you get kind of a flash forward. It's like it's really effective. Yeah, it's really it's really, and affecting. <laughs> it's like it's real. Like it plays like a real type of thing. I agree. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been playing recently. Let's get down now. Presumptions out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. First up, Lights Out. 
You could have some kind of response if you want to, if you have any thoughts on it. I like Lights Out. I was rewatching it the other day. Holds up. Didn't see it, but uh, I hear it's good. Uh, nerve. I also liked it. Terrible ending, but I liked it beyond that. Want to see it? Yeah. Looked cool. I thought, I thought it was fine, but the end, yeah, the ending I did not like at all. Uh, Captain Fantastic? I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, uh, I heard Captain Fantastic is good. I have it, so I should watch it. Also on my list of things to watch. Uh, Vigo. Uh, speaking of great, Hunt for the Wilder People. Still one of my favorites. Need to see that. Gotta see that. Um, Skip Trace. This is with Johnny Knoxville and Jackie Chan. Wow. Someone yep, told me Taika Waititi was directing Ragnarok, and I was like, you're lying. <laughs> and he is. And it just everything I keep hearing about the cast and what's going on, I was like, this movie just, this is going to be my favorite Thor movie. <laughs> Sounds so cool. Um, let's see. Mr. Church. This is that Eddie Murphy movie that did nothing. Haven't even heard of it. Um... It looked like a giant Oscar bait, and nobody liked it, and it disappeared from theaters very quickly. Hmm. Uh, Men and Chicken. This was a Mad Mickelson um, a comedy that I've heard lots of funny things about. I haven't got around to seeing it, though. On, uh, let's see, Scream Factory this week. The Exorcist 3 is now on Blu-ray. Nice. Scream Factory with, like, a giant director's cut. Uh, for, I know a friend of the show, Brandon Peters, reviewed this whole thing, and he was quite excited to do so. So if there's any Exorcist series fans out there, uh, let's see. Uh, from Warner Archive, Warner Archive, the Qu- the Quiet Man is out on Blu-ray this week for uh, fans of that one. Uh, let's see, Talladega Nights: The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, tenth anniversary edition, is on Blu-ray. This Ten week. years old. Wow. Yeah. And remember, if you're not first, you're last. And um, lastly, Mad Max, the Black and Chrome edition is out this week on Blu-ray. Nice. That is the black and white version of Mad Max that um, that Miller has been talking up as the best version of this movie. So. What a silly goose. <laughs> uh, that's an opportunity out now. Let's go on to Extremely Cool. These are things on streaming on Netflix right now that I can recommend in some way. I haven't watched this season yet, but Black Mirror, the newest season. Yeah, we'll see it. I do too. Old Black Mirror is awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. Big Eyes, the Tim Burton film. I saw that's on Netflix now. Which I'd recommend. Yeah. And uh, Kung Fu Panda 3. If you like oh, Panda Ooh, it's on Netflix. Nice. It's on Netflix, yes. Perfect. Um, I, it's a, I think it's a bit of a step down from the first two, but I still think it's a solid uh, animated action film um, for, the, for the Kung Fu Panda series. Okay. Let's see. Next week's show. Next week we're talking about Inferno, the latest in the Dan Brown adaptation. Tom Hanks hitting on someone half his age. Yeah. They played a trailer for it before Jurassic Reacher, and I was like, oh boy. There's <laughs> a Because I, I don't like this Tom Hanks character that much. <laughs> like, just the his know-it-all thing that he's doing. It's like, okay, yeah. another one of these. But um, I, I liked Angels and Demons more than Da Vinci Code because it's just more silly, like really silly. So like, I'm hoping it kind of cashes on, on the silliness of that one. So uh, we'll see. And uh, let's see. Last thing we do here. What should people go and see now? And what do you plan to see next? Peter Ferris, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Uh, Moonlight, if you're in L.A. or New York. But wide uh, Ouija Origin of Evil. What do you see next? Um, what? Oh, Edge of 17, which I hope is really good. Aaron, what should people see in theaters right now? Oh, God. 
I don't know. I haven't seen anything in theaters right now except for Jack Reacher. So I'm going to just say go see Moonlight, too. Um, otherwise, I don't know. Just wait because some good stuff's coming out in like a week. What do you, what do you see next? Um, I'm probably going to go see American Pastoral next. All right. Um, I would still say Queen of Conway just because that movie's losing screens, but it deserves to be seen by more people. Oh, I didn't see that. Missed it. Yeah. Missed it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, next I'm seeing I'm seeing Inferno and Arrival this week. So hopefully one of those is really good. Hopefully both of them are really good. But you know, can't get everything. So I'm hoping at least one of them is really good. Arrival's supposed to be great. So. Yeah, I've heard it's great, and I'm very actually that. Well, I don't know. The next thing I'm seeing technically is Hacksaw Ridge today. Okay. There you, well, there you go. Yeah, sorry. Forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> well, with that all said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews there. You can also find me writing daily over at screenrant.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Peter Paris, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, currently writing for Game Revolution. And um, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram under Pajamo, P-A-J-M-O. Aaron Fink, where can people find more of your work? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron Evan Fink. You can follow me on Instagram at InstaFink89. Um, you can, once again, watch my uh, latest production when you find out your blank is a Trump supporter on YouTube. Just type it in. It's there. Um, and then, I don't know, I'm around in the L.A. area, you know? Uh, let's see. That's... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you can find all the other episodes about now with Aaron and Abe over on iTunes as well as on Audioboom, also on uh, HHWLOD and SoundCloud. Feel free to email us over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on anything we talked about today. Uh, we also have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, and our Twitter page, twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, there's our Tumblr page, so you can send us plenty of gifts of Tom Cruise running over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Peter and Aaron, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, man. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun times talking all this Tom Cruise-related stuff more. And um, uh, until next time, when we get back to another Tom, Tom Hanks with Inferno, that's going to do it. So, till then, so long, and goodbye. Later, guys. Thanks.
Are you saying that we all should have seen Medea this weekend and we should have been talking about that right now? Uh, that's my vote. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you.